0: A sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota on March 2nd, 2014, based on Psalm 110, verses 1 through 7. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God, through which the Holy Spirit brings our glorious savior to our hearts is psalm 110 of david a psalm the lord says to my lord sit at my right hand until i make your enemies a footstool for your feet the lord will extend your mighty scepter from zion you will rule in the midst of your enemies Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy majesty. From the womb of the dawn you will receive the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn, and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook beside the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, wash clean in the blood of our risen Savior. God is good, yet we struggle with sadness, God is almighty, yet we suffer through our problems. God is in control, and yet so many bad things still happen. So how easily doubts infiltrate our hearts and minds. You've heard their whispers. If God is so good, then why did he let that happen? If he is almighty, why didn't he stop it? If he's in control... Why am I going through such difficult times? Doubts are deadly. For you see, doubts are the opposite of faith. Faith stands firm on the solid rock, the sure foundation. Doubts wobble like jello until they sink into the quicksand. How deadly! Now, rather than give up and despair, people have several different ways of dealing with doubts. We could maybe put them into three different categories. Many people deal with doubts by not trying to think about God too much. If they don't think about Him, then they don't have to have doubts. And I'm not just talking about people outside the church. There are many Churchgoers, religious people that just go through the actions. They don't think about God's truths any more than they thought about them when they were 10 years old. Now, it may not always be easy to keep their thoughts away from thinking about God, and yet, even if they manage to stifle doubts by not thinking too much about it, that starves faith. How deadly! A second approach that some will use is to combat doubts with human reason and logic. Yet God's ways are so far above us that our human minds cannot explain away what God says. In fact, any kind of explanations, reason, or logic comes up with to do away with doubts Is also an explanation that misrepresents God, and so this too is part of that broad and wide way that leads to destruction. But what about God's way? How does He deal with our doubts? Well, dear friends, He drives away our doubts by assuring us with His promises recorded in his word. And the word of God before us here today, Psalm 110, is one of those places in his word where the Lord, twice here, pulls back the veil and lets you and me overhear what the Almighty Father says to the Son. What a marvel that is. Us lowly, sinful, mortal creatures overhearing the lofty, holy, eternal counsel of our God spoken with human words. We gasp in wonder and stand in amazement at what the Holy Spirit has David write down in this psalm so that you and I who are living three millennia later, can still today read it and believe it. For through these words, the Holy Spirit reveals the double glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, dear friends, drive away your doubts by diving ever more deeply into the words and promises of our Lord, where the Holy Spirit reveals that heavenly counsel that no one could know except that God has made it known through His Word. Drive away your doubts by marveling at our Lord's double glory. That's the theme here this morning. Marvel at Jesus' glory. Both his glory as our conquering king, that's part one, and his glory as our everlasting priest, part two. Drive out doubt by marveling at our Lord's double glory. Now the psalm begins. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy majesty. Is Jesus really ruling over all things? Is he in control? We listen to the evening news and we hear of disaster and trouble and tragedy. Yes, many of them are are man-made, but couldn't Jesus have stopped them anyway? And what about the natural disasters that cause such pain and loss? Is Jesus in control? Reality shouts out, this world is out of control. Reason Surmises that God must in some way limit his control over this world, since how can we rectify or reconcile an almighty God with the evil that goes on unless we make God partially responsible for that evil for not stopping it? And so doubts grow. But faith, faith listens. And here the Holy Spirit allows us to overhear what the Lord God, the Almighty Father, says to our Lord Jesus Christ, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The right hand is the place of power. The right hand man is the one who exercises full authority. So also Jesus. All power in heaven and on earth has been given to him. He has full authority, complete authority to carry out his father's mission. Despite what you see in the world around you, Jesus is in control. Do not doubt that. Despite what reason may try to say as it tries to reconcile the wickedness with the power and control of Jesus. Don't listen to that reasoning. For reason will never be able to harmonize Jesus' absolute full control with the evil that exists. Rather, faith takes God at his word. Jesus is your conquering king. He is seated on the almighty throne. He is in control. You confess that every time you declare in the creed that he is seated at God's right hand. Jesus is in control. For he is the conquering king seated on the throne. But what about the evil in this world? What about the devil and his demons? What about the wickedness of humanity? And and what about death itself? They are all subject to our conquering king. They all serve his ultimate purpose. They are his footstool. They are under his feet. He tramples them in the dust. Notice how the psalm says that He rules even in the very midst of His enemies. For He is our conquering King. What glory! Marvel at that glory. For you see, He has conquered your heart and mine. We began life as His enemy. The sinful mind is hostile to God, Romans 8 declares, and that is what you and I were, his enemy. But the gospel penetrated your hearts and mine and changed us into his willing troops, ready each day to battle for our Lord. For in baptism, you were reborn into the Lord's army. Through the water and word, you were arrayed. You were clothed with his holiness. The perfect record of his life, freely credited to your account. Stand firm with that full armor of God. For Satan's arrows of doubt cannot pierce it. Stand firm, clothed, or arrayed with your Savior, Jesus Christ, for He is your conquering King. What glory! Marvel at that glory. Marvel at it just as Peter, James, and John did on that Mount of Transfiguration, for there Jesus gave those three a glimpse of that kingly divine glory. Listen as the Father speaks. For his words drive out our doubts. Drive out your doubt by marveling at our Lord's glory, at his double glory. For you see, he not only has that glory of a king, a conquering king, but also the glory of our everlasting priest, which brings us to the second part here. And what a different kind of glory this this priestly glory is. You see, to a certain extent, the world can picture for itself what kingly glory is like, that kind of glory that conquers and rules. The world can sort of picture the power there. But how different the priestly glory. It's a hidden glory. In fact, the world cannot begin to imagine what kind of glory this is. The world actually rejects Christ's priestly glory as shame and weakness. It's a hidden glory. For you see, after Jesus gave those disciples and us a glimpse of his kingly glory on that mountain, he didn't stay there, did he? He hid that glory and descended the mountain. He lowered himself even to that shameful death on the God-forsaken cross. For you see, it's only from the cross that his priestly glory shines out for you and me to marvel at and believe and we would never have seen that hidden glory there in the cross. Except the Father, through the Spirit, has revealed it in his word. And this is the, the second time that the Holy Spirit in this psalm lets us eavesdrop on what the Father says to the Son. You, are, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. Jesus is our everlasting priest. Now, a priest is someone who stands between God and man. But who can truly stand between the holy God and us sinners except the God-man, Jesus Christ? And so the eternal Son became flesh, one with us, in order to make us at one with God. But what sacrifice can reconcile us to God, making us at one with Him? What sacrifice can truly pay for all sins? What sacrifice did He offer? Nothing less than Himself. Nothing less than His holy, precious blood. For only the blood of God the Son paid the full price for all sins. Only the death of God the Son, Jesus Christ, our brother, only his death in our place as our substitute, reconciles you and me to God. There is no other priest like him. No other sacrifice like his. Every other priest had to offer sacrifices for himself. Jesus offered himself for the sacrifice. No other sacrifice can pay for even one sin. But Jesus' one sacrifice has paid for every sin. All the other sacrifices had to be offered again and again day after day by a countless line of priests succeeding each other year after year. But Jesus alone is our priest forever. His one sacrifice is sufficient for all eternity. He is our everlasting priest. Marvel at that hidden glory. And so, dear friends, when the troubles of life tempt you to doubt God's love and question why he doesn't use his kingly power to make things better for us, look to the altar of the cross. See the hidden glory. See the sacrifice nailed to that tree. See your everlasting priest. Remember him and proclaim his death as you taste the bread and wine that bring you his body and blood to eat and to drink. For he is your everlasting priest. His one sacrifice on the cross stands before God for all eternity, that one sacrifice is the everlasting proof of his love toward you. Marvel at that hidden glory, his priestly glory. Marvel at it and do not doubt, for God wants you to be absolutely sure That Jesus has offered that once and for all sacrifice for you. That's why he lets us eavesdrop on those words that he spoke to his son. And not only that, but notice how he says, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. So fervently and earnestly does God want you to be sure and certain that he takes an oath. Promising, swearing that he is telling the truth so that we in no way doubt, but firmly believe that Jesus is our everlasting priest, that his one sacrifice on the cross truly pays for all of your sins and fully reconciles you to God. What glory is his? What double glory belongs to our Lord Jesus Christ? Marvel at his double glory. He is your conquering king who truly is in control over all. And he is your everlasting priest whose sacrifice stands before God for all of time. The glory that is hidden in the cross. Doubts will flee as you marvel at our Lord's double glory. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.